Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Hey guys, are you interested in starting a tribe in your area? If you are, you've got to come to Midlothian, Virginia, just outside of Richmond on April 22nd. April 22nd is a Saturday and we are putting on tribe launch training. It's going to be held at Swift Creek Presbyterian Church here in Midlothian, Virginia. And we have got a whole team of Men's Alliance guys here waiting to show you how to start a tribe in your area. We are going to go through every aspect of how we do our workouts, how we do our real world devotions, our creed, our motto, our coin, our patch. We are going to walk you through the whole process, give you our tips, our lessons learned, our best practices. We're going to eat great food together. We're going to have fun hanging out and doing some great outdoor workouts together. But you are going to walk away from here absolutely ready totally prepared to start a tribe in your neighborhood or at your home church. So come on out April 22nd. Let me tell you, you go to mensalliancetribe.com, click on launch training. It's mensalliancetribe.com slash launch training. Go there and register. It's a free event. We're even going to feed you. All you have to do is get yourself here, register so we know you're coming and we can get you a t-shirt ready. We're excited about doing this all of the North Carolina tribes that are currently out there came from this event last year. So we know this event works. We've already got 26 men registered. We can't wait to see how God is going to use it this year and where he is going to spread the men's Alliance fire to next. So maybe that's your area. Come on out April 22nd. Welcome to the men's Alliance podcast. I'm Dave Mills, call sign goose. And with me today, I got, yeah, it's me, Chris Knuckles. Look, <laughs> sorry about that. He threw me, he threw me off guard. I know. I didn't even tell him we were recording. I was like, go. And man, I'm excited to have you with us, Knuckles. We did a podcast with Knuckles uh, back in August of 22. Uh, it's called War Stories 2 Hell's Angels. If you want to go back and listen uh, to get the background story, uh, where Knuckles shares his story, go back to War Stories 2. But um, today, we've just been sitting around this morning talking about uh, Bible verses that are commonly uh, misinterpreted, taken out of context, etc. And we've just been having a great conversation about this, and so we just decided to record it. So we're going to record this conversation, and because um, I think it's something that like everybody wrestles with oh yeah everybody's got some verses so knuckles start us off by talking just a little bit about um how you read the bible what do you do when there's tricky verses what's some that that you've uh wrestled with and had to look up etc um well normally when uh i come and read the bible um of course, I'm in prayer before that, but uh, 
have to sit there and not just read a couple verses, right? Uh, I think at the beginning of my walk, I, you know, um, probably all of us, we still do this. We just go and pull out a verse that sounds good for us uh, or good to us at the time in Scripture. And uh, sometimes it applies. Um, sometimes in the context that we want to use it in, it makes sense. And then um, sometimes we really could have uh, taken a verse from Scripture and it was really taken out of context, right? Um, we have an understanding of it, and really what we should be doing is going and reading. Um, I think you brought this up earlier this morning, Goose, um, is reading that whole chapter. And, I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of these letters, they were written, right, and they were presented to a church in a whole. So if you have the time, I know a lot of us don't have the time to do that, but if you can sit and read a whole letter, it's uh, sometimes that can be good, right, because I've seen people walk through the Book of Romans and— you know, Romans is a very complicated book, so I, I want to be very honest about this. I do not have all the answers to everything inside of Scripture by far. Um, I do not. But, uh, you know, when we go and read um, like a chapter inside of Romans, we can come to really far off theology just by reading that one chapter, right? We need to understand that, you know, Phoebe presented this uh, from Paul in front of a, a church um mixed a church of mixed people right so we're talking about jewish people gentile people um it was in rome right you had the edict of claudius that uh happened a few years before that to where jewish people were sent out of um you know the area at the time and they came back in so when we go and read the just the book of romans we need to understand the context behind it and what's going on inside of that and uh for me um, I didn't understand things like that at first. It would take uh, scripture out of context, so I would have conversations with my pastors about it and other brothers and sisters in Christ, and ultimately, you know, do a lot of deep dive and studying and things like that. And just, um, you know, that's that's really what I did was just have those conversations with brothers and sisters, and just make sure that I'm reading the book in its entirety and looking at the. Um, the whole context of the book, right? The whole yeah. context of the chapter, book. I'm not just picking out Bible verses that sound good for me. That's right. So. Man, that's, um, I love the uh, phrase, never read a Bible verse. Yeah. Right. I can't remember if that's from Turk or Kokel, right? Um, talking about never read a Bible verse alone by itself, right? Like, like you're saying, back up and get the context. Start at the beginning of at least the paragraph. Right. you're in right sometimes yeah. sometimes those little tiny verse numbers are even mid-sentence right they don't even put those in in places you know if you don't know that the, the bible verses they were added you know i think like f between the fourth and sixth century um into the canon to make it easier to find things they're not there in the originals right so we should back up and maybe even read like the whole the whole paragraph or the whole letter like you're saying, to understand the context of the sentence. And then to your bigger point, understand who's writing this, who is their audience, right. what is the style of writing here, right? For example, is this poetry? Is this biography, right? right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are biographies. Uh, Psalms is, is poetry. Um, there's parables throughout all of it, right? Illustrations of parables that were never intended to be taken literally. Uh, it's a parable, right? Um, and then there's also letters. And then there's also history, right? right. Acts is history. So I think you got to know like 
not only read the whole sentence and paragraph and letter, but like understand who is this audience, who is writing and to who. So one of the things I love about what you just said is how when you found something you didn't know, you went and you asked, you dug, right? And I would just encourage um, men, especially as they're going to be leading their family spiritually, we're all going to come to stuff that we don't know. We have no idea. And, and we're going to share some of those today. Uh, some tough stuff, some tough verses that we wrestle with. Um, but I think it's important that we don't just breeze over it. Don't just, it's like reading a book and, and seeing a, a word that you don't know the definition of. Don't just keep going. Right. Right. Or you're not going to get any smarter. Stop and, and learn the definition of that word. Yeah. I Google search all the time. Like if I don't, <laughs> if I don't know a word, I'm like, all right, let me look this up uh, real quick. So. That's the way it should be. Right. And so, um, one of the fascinating things about knuckles is that you've only been a Christian for two and a half years, right? Yeah. I think it was November. My wife knows the dates better than I do. So yeah. <laughs> that's how those guys work. But, uh, I think it was November 2020. So we're in 23 yeah. right now. So I was baptized February of 21. So I will say the November. So of 2020, so what, two and a half years? So just years. over two years, yeah. 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 And and um and I say that because um you have a ton of knowledge for somebody who's been saved. You have a ton of knowledge, period. But especially when you find out that you've only been saved for two years. Um I, I think, you know, that puts a lot of us to shame who have been saved for decades. Right. And so um that should encourage all of us dive in i know you're you're an avid reader right you you're destroying books right um in your quest for knowledge so just want to throw that out there encouraging others to do the same yeah yeah and i do i want to say this i want to go back on one of the comments that i made at the beginning um we we also have to make sure that we're reaching out to the right people for uh you know if we're asking them context behind scripture right you don't want to go to somebody that's not a christian right and um ask them what this means in the bible you want to you know go to a spiritual you know leader inside your, whether it's in your church and men's alliance um and a, a fellowship group that you have and reach out and talk to them and get get some wisdom from them on, on the scriptures because i can go and ask anybody right. what something means inside of scripture right if i go to somebody that holds to something that's heretical mm -hmm. then they can really take you off on a on a road that of course does not align with our beliefs so yeah make sure you're going to somebody that's spiritually strong and that holds to you know the same belief system that you hold to right so, and that's and having that's those conversations for sure so um kick us off here with which what's one of the verses that you have seen to be commonly misunderstood yeah so one of the ones that i've seen over my short walk is if i go look at matthew 18 um, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 18, we see in verses 19 through, I believe it's 20. And I'm just going to read these verses. Um, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them. By my Father who is in heaven, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So just reading that. Mm -hmm. What like what picture could be painted there? Yeah, so basically, you know, you can you can read that those two verses and be like, so I guess anything that me and you ask for, because there's two of us, 
right? Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So does that mean like me and you can ask for um, a new truck? <laughs> I mean, we can, but that's not, <laughs> I mean, somebody could ask, but uh, no, we should not be asking for prosperity blessings. Um, that's what some false teachers would say. And then uh, to to verse 20, where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So how have you heard that one uh, taken out of context? Yeah, so the, the, the major thing that I've heard behind that one is um, I've heard people say, well, where two or three are gathered in my name, um, that constitutes, uh, you know, a gathering of believers to where, hey, I don't have to go to church now. Um, I can sit in my house on my couch with my wife. Uh, with my son that's a believer or invite the neighbor over and we're in church right there. Um, we're worshiping the Lord. And I'm not saying that you can't worship the Lord in your house. You can. Um, I can worship the Lord by myself. But um, that is not gathering with the, the body of believers. Uh, another way that I've heard it is um, how it's been taken out of context is um, to say, uh, you know, when two are in agreement, whatever they ask will be done. Um, it's similar to what we just talked about in the second one is to say that when two or more are gathered, God is with them. Uh, we all know that uh, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, so I do not need two or three other people with me uh, for God to be with me, right? Mm -hmm. um, when I'm by myself, and no matter what, God is with us, right? Because we're Christians and we have the Holy Spirit and dwelt inside of us. Yeah, that's so, a good point. I hadn't even thought about taking it that direction, right? right. Like, so I have to have two yeah. or three others yep. in order for God to be present. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good example. And I think, you know, if you look at this, so like we were just saying about reading it in context and backing up. So, you know, you read two verses, right? Matthew 18, you read 19 and 20. You back up at least to verse 15 where there's like a, a topical break in paragraphs and the new topic, he's just finished a parable of the wandering sheep. And now at verse 15, it says dealing with sin in the church. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. This is the topic. So this is the example right here of context that you miss. If you just pull out these, these one or two verses, right? Like, What's the topic here? What's Oh, this is about how to deal with sin in the church, right? So when it talks about, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is just talking about how to handle a person in church who's a Christian, who's living in unrepentant sin, and you've gone to them to confront them, right? That's the... That's the topic of this of this um, section of writing that we're reading about where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So this is got to look at this in the light of not prosperity. This isn't about asking God for a new truck. This is about how to confront sin in the church. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, like if you start at verse 15, like you're saying, it talks about a brother going to, uh, you know, like if, if you were out there sinning, running around, doing whatever you wanted to, Goose, or me, um, us coming to each other, having that conversation, right? Um, being men, being uh, being real, um, calling each other out in a loving and respectful way. And then if uh, 
if I didn't listen to you on calling me out in my sin, then um, what's the next process, right? It would be a couple more brothers coming to me and say, hey, Chris, uh, this is what you've been doing, whether, you know, if I'm out there running around on my wife or, you know, doing something harmful to somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, no matter what that may be, right? Um, Y'all need to come and call me out on that, right? Hold me accountable. And then ultimately we get down to the verse where it talks about um, bringing it up in front of the church. And then if there's still an unrepentant sin and you turn them over as a Gentile or tax collector, which during those times in the Jewish culture, they would have been people that you still would have been working around, right? But they wouldn't have been grafted into the covenant, right? So they would they would have been outside of the covenant, outside of um, God's grace and and you know when we get down into those other verses and 20 right we're talking about again I say to you that if uh, two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask it shall be done for them my father is heaven for where two or three have gathered together in my name I am there in their midst so you know this is ultimately in the context of those scriptures talking about church discipline and um, like brothers holding each other accountable right so and that's I think they, that's one of the ones that I've seen over my short walk that have been butchered and more of the, along the context of, uh, you know, it's OK for me to gather inside of my house. I think people have used that during, you know, the whole covid pandemic saying, well, it says this. I, mm-hmm. I can I can sit at my house and I don't have to I don't have to be in fellowship with, with the whole body of, right. of believers. Right. But we know scripture clearly other places in scripture in the book of hebrews it talks about never forsaking the gathering right so i was going to read that one right now so hebrews 10 right so i've got that pulled up so let me read uh what you're referring to um it says and i'm going to start in verse 24 it says and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I love this too, as it applies not just to church, but to Ms. Alliance yeah. too, right? It says not to give up meeting together, right? So we can't get lazy and stay home all the time and watch church online and say, oh, see, we're two or three together, yeah, right? I think back to your the verse you brought up in Matthew, that's a highly encouraging verse. Like if me and you are on our way over to confront a brother who's living in sin and and we're walking into that situation a little bit nervous, right? Like, Oh man, this is not going to be a fun conversation. Here we go. That's who that verse is meant to encourage. Right. Right. It's saying, you know, we're two or three are gathered. Um, I'm with you um, in the context of you guys going to confront your brother who is in sin. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big one. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's often misinterpreted and um, and looking at it in context and with other scripture um, around it can can shed that light on us. All right, next one. This is one that um, that I think is is one of the most often taken out of context verses. It's I've heard it taken out of context on Sunday mornings by pastors. <laughs> Right, and it's it's uh, crocheted onto onto um, pillows and framed, and it's in uh, every card that we give to high school graduates. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> and so uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 
Right? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Man, don't that feel good? This sounds great, right? So God's going to prosper us all, and and no one's going to have any harm come to him. Is that what? Is, that's what I'm reading, right? We're all going to prosper, and there's not going to be any harm. Yeah, if you apply it like that, <laughs> tell that to what? tell that to Peter. Yeah, right. As he's being crucified upside right. down. Yeah, right. So how can that possibly? How do you reconcile? this verse from the old testament written by jeremiah with the horrific deaths and torture of the apostles being dipped in hot oil being sawed in half being crucified right um yet we just pull this verse out like it's a fortune cookie and um and apply it to ourselves all the time jeremiah 29 11. so let's look at the context right like we just said who's writing Who's the audience? So this is being written by the prophet Jeremiah, who is receiving inspiration, knowledge, and words directly from the Holy Spirit to write these letters as a prophet to different groups of people. And Jeremiah wrote lots of different letters to lots of different groups of people. The book of Jeremiah is not just one letter, um, like some of the books in the New Testament. So Jeremiah 29, 11 is a letter being written specifically to the Jewish people who were taken captive in Babylon. So Jeremiah is writing to the Jews taken captive in Babylon. So if your high school graduate is not a Jew who has been taken captive in Babylon, then you should not apply this verse to them, right? Um, that's the people who God said through Jeremiah that he had plans to prosper this group and not to harm this group. So we can't just pull that out of context and apply that to ourselves today. And here's a good example. I want to read to you from Jeremiah 42. So a few chapters later, here's Jeremiah writing to a different group. I'm going to read from verse 18. He says, This is what the Lord all-powerful, the God of the people of Israel, says. Quote, I showed my anger against Jerusalem. I punished the people who lived there. In the same way, I will show my anger against everyone who goes to Egypt. <laughs> people will use you as an example when they ask for bad things to happen to other people. You will become like a curse word. People will be ashamed of you, and they will insult you, and you will never see Judah again. We're not putting that one in any Hallmark cards. No, I don't want that <laughs> stitched on my pillow or over my door. But you know what? To, to, to pull this out and apply this to somebody would be just as bad as pulling out 2911 and applying that to somebody. So this one, this is Jeremiah writing to the Jewish exiles who were fleeing to Egypt. He's saying, if you go to Egypt, then God will show his anger against you and people will be ashamed of you and they will insult you and you will never see Judah again. So we cannot just randomly apply passages that were specifically meant for one group of people in one place in one time. There are statements in the Bible that tell us about um, how God, the nature of God, 
right? How he is for all time and all people and all places. And then there's uh, sections in the Bible where it's talking about his specific judgments and plans for, for very small, specific groups of people, right? And so you miss that if you don't get the context. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, if you also look in Jeremiah 29, before we get to verse 11, it says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, so 70 years have been completed, I will visit you and fulfill my good uh, word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. So he's talking about 70 years yeah. first. So if we apply that to our time today, then... 70 years, I'm probably going to be... He's not even going to have his plans to prosper you for 70 years. Right. Right. So you got to stay in captivity for 70 years. Yeah. And then, verse 29, 11. Right. Yeah. Man, that's so good. Um, So we got to be very careful when we read the Bible. Don't just read a verse. Look at the entire context. Read the entire chapter. Read the entire book so that you understand, is this applicable to me or is this just applicable then to this group? Yeah, and I'll throw this out there too. Um, this just came to mind. But uh, we can we need to really understand the context of the whole book. So I can go read like First Timothy, right? First Timothy, Second Timothy, and there are major, I guess let's call them discussions inside Christianity with um, how women are used inside as leaders inside the church, right? Um, there's some in a sect that would hold to, you know, women should shouldn't be pastors. Uh, women shouldn't be teaching men and things like that. Um, you really have to go look at the context behind the, the book of First Timothy. And I know there's brothers in Christ that have different viewpoints of, the, of that, right? So whether a woman should be leading inside of a church um, or whether a woman is allowed to be a pastor, whether a woman should be teaching men or not, um, we have to remember like what's going on inside of these books when we go to it and understand that even if we – would say that a woman shouldn't be a pastor or something like that. There's brothers and sisters that are Christians that have a real good argument behind why they think they should be um, pastors inside of church. So we should sit down and listen to them in unity, right? Like we shouldn't be divisive. And, yeah. you know, we, we can hold to a firm stance by what we see inside of Scripture, mm-hmm. but we need we should make sure that we're listening to them and seeing where they're coming from based off of what scripture says, not just of off of our own feelings and thoughts on what we've been taught, right. Growing up. So I do want to throw that out there. And that was a little sidetrack or sidebar, but just something to think about. Yeah. I'm really glad you did. I'm glad you said that. That's a, that's a topic that I know within men's Alliance, we got a lot of different views on. Right. Um, and that could be said, and that would be true for a lot of different topics. Right. One of the things we were talking about this morning well, with the patch class, um, was, you know, in the men's alliance leadership guide, there's a list of some topics that we decide we're not going to do our devotions around the fire on these topics, uh, because they're unnecessarily divisive, right? right? Like there's, there's certain areas of Christian doctrine that we cannot compromise on. Right. Right. And, you know, the atonement, the death, the burial, the resurrection, repentance, grace, these were not compromised on, but there's others that like a lot of good Christians disagree on. Right. Right. Baptism is a great example, right? Yeah. Do you have to get dunked or can you have some water sprinkled on your head? 
Yeah, I know right. what us, uh, <laughs> us old school Baptists would say, but uh, my brothers, uh, totally Presbyterians would hold to something different. Yeah. Uh, like with you talk about infant baptism and things right. like that. Yep. So you know, there's baptism. Uh, there's uh, speaking in tongues. Uh, there's eschatology, premillennial, postmillennial, yeah. millennial, right? Yeah. There's there's all these different uh, topics, and to your point. Uh, the role of women in the church, right? Right. So we can disagree about a lot of these things and they could just divide us. So we've just decided, you know what, these are good topics for uh, Bible studies, for Sunday school, different things like that, but we're not going to um, bring them up at men's Alliance devotions yeah. so that we don't unnecessarily divide. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one. And and when we come across these away from the the fire each week and we want to sit down and talk, I love what you just said, right? Sometimes we grow just by listening. Yeah. Right. And maybe challenging some of our own stances on some of these topics. Yeah. Just make sure, you know, if you're being challenged or you're challenging somebody, just make sure it's coming from scripture, right? Like, uh, I'll just go by your own feelings because we know what feelings can do, right? I'll go by what the word says. Ultimately, we should go sit down and look at the word of God and just sit down and have a conversation about it. And, um, just see what we all come up with together by uh, looking at the word, right? So um, just always be open to listening to another brother or sister when they're uh, when they're sharing this information and see where they're coming from at it based off of Scripture. So That's good, man. All right, we're going to take just a uh, quick break, and then when we come back, I want to share a verse or two that I wrestle with and I'm not sure how to interpret. All right, right after this break. Hey, this is Dusty Shadow Parker. I just wanted to take a break here and tell y'all, help us reach more men. We cannot sharpen men into the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God designed us to be without your financial support. Your donations enable us to launch and sustain tribes at more churches and reach more men with the gospel of Christ. Men's Alliance is a 501c3 nonprofit so your financial support is tax deductible. Go to mensalliancetribe.com slash support to join our team. Now go refill up your coffee and enjoy the rest of this podcast. All right, we are back with Chris Knuckles Luck and talking about some uh, confusing Bible verses, right, and how they're often misinterpreted. So... Another one that is super common um, is Psalm 37, 4. Psalm 37, 4 is one of those that gets um, drug out a lot like a fortune cookie. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, you know, for, for years, the way this hit my ears, the way I interpreted this was um, that you will get whatever you want, right? He will give you the desires of your heart. Whatever your heart desires, you will get. That's one way to hear it. A few years back, as I was reading this, all of a sudden, I heard it a different way, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires in your heart. Suddenly, I heard it that way, and I'm like, Oh man, I think I just had one of those light bulb moments. So it's all about the first part, right? <laughs> right. 
it's realizing that he's not giving you whatever you want. He's actually giving you your, your wants. Your wants are coming from him. Your desires, you're going to start desiring what he wants you to desire. Your desires are going to start to be his. Yeah. Um, when you delight yourself in him, right. literally your that, desires the right change. There. Yeah. Right. And I think that's that's the common way that this verse gets misinterpreted. Um, delight yourself in the Lord. First of all, that's a tall order. Like we shouldn't just breeze over that. Like to delight yourself in the Lord is to make him the center of your universe, right? That you're literally orbiting every day around him. You're not asking him to orbit around you and 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 give you the um you know the health and the wealth that you want. You're aligning yourself with him and asking for your desires to be his desires. God make me want what is best for me. Yeah. Make me want your will to be done in my life. Yeah. No, I think uh, like as you were reading that, because uh, we didn't talk about you using this verse um, mm-hmm. right before you started. You talked about it, but I didn't know you were. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't know you were going to just jump on there and use that. But it says, "Delight yourself in the Lord." Um, doesn't say delight yourself in the world. Doesn't say delight yourself in prosperity or it's in the lord so as you're saying that's in his ways and his understanding right um how do we do that we do that with the holy spirit guiding us and um i think something for us to think about um and he will give you the desires of your heart um if it's if your heart's focused on him and it's a heart that is um fixated towards him right um the desires of our heart will be for his ways, and that might mean the things that we are subjected to aren't always going to be easy for us, right? So uh, we can look in Scripture. You and I talked about, I think it's Second Corinthians, um, in the book of Second Corinthians with a thorn in the flesh with uh, Paul. I don't know if you were going to throw that one out. I was just looking that up right now. Okay. See, that's, <laughs> I know yeah. we talked about that probably an hour ago, but— uh, yeah, I mean, think about that. What what was Paul going through, right? Yeah, I definitely want to come back to that one. Um such a such an important verse uh chapter um before before we get go there, I want to hit on one more that says something very close to Psalms, right? Um so John 15:7 Okay, John 15, 7. I'm going to read you just this verse. We're going to make the mistake first. We're going to pull out this one verse, and then we'll we'll do the backup thing. So John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Okay, so there's another prosperity one, right? So I can ask for whatever I wish for. Again, maybe, maybe we should pray for me to get a new truck. Um my dog not to die, my wife to not have cancer, right? You can see how like when we go down this theological road, as so many do, we set ourselves up to lose our faith, right? When people, when people believe that God works like a genie in a lamp, and if you say the right prayers, if you believe hard enough, if you tithe your money, then he'll give you whatever you want. 
And this is a popular message, right? Like the biggest church in America is, is preaching this message every Sunday, right? Joel Osteen, right? And talking about God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to have money. He wants you to prosper, all this stuff. And then it's a, such a popular message. People are just flocking towards it. But then what happens when they lose a loved one to cancer, when then they, then they say they're, that's like their whole house of cards. Christianity comes crashing down. Right. And so that's why it's important for us to understand how, that that's not what this is saying. That is not how this works. Don't put your hopes in your health and your wealth because they will not last. And if you need proof of that, just look at how each of the disciples of Jesus died. What Look at the lives of the disciples. If they suffered and died, why on earth would we think that we will be any different? Right? As we talked earlier about Peter being crucified, John being dipped in hot oil, James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, being thrown off the, the roof top of the temple right these men didn't lack faith they didn't lack the proper prayer life right but yet bad things do happen to christians right so we're told in this world we will have troubles we're told take up your cross we're told the world will hate you just as the world hated me right yeah. And so we can't go into Christianity thinking that this is going to meet all of our physical needs on this earth and give us money and give us health. Um, no, we got to go into it thinking like, no, you're following a dude who got crucified. Right. And he told you that the world's going to hate you too. Yeah. Right. So we should expect persecution. Yeah. We should expect hardship. Right. And this is a very American message, right? Because honestly, the Christians in other countries, they get it. Sure, yeah. The Christians in Africa, where they're being hauled off by Muslims into soccer stadiums and beheaded, and the Christians in China, where they're being arrested and put in forced labor camps, um, they don't have any problem with the prosperity gospel. This is an American yeah. um, distortion and a heresy. So we look at these verses. So that was uh, from John 15, and I want to just... Now we're going to do the correction, right? We're going to look at the context here. This The heading in, in my Bible, the heading on John 15 says the vine and the branches, right? So I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I'm just jumping to verse 4. It says remain in me or abide is how it's translated sometimes. Remain in me, abide in me, I as I also remain in you, right? And then down to verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, again, if you abide in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? If you remain in me, there's a big if again, right? Just like the delight in the Lord is a tall order. Here's another one. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So again, this is not a, um, I think that if, let me just say it this way. 
if you're remaining in him, if you're abiding in Christ and his words are abiding in you, you're not going to ask for <laughs> a new truck unless it is to get you to reach people for Christ. Sure. Yeah. Right. So he's going to give you the desires of your heart and you're going to ask for things that are that are not for you, that yeah. are not selfish. I think if you're right. maybe a litmus test here to to find out if you are abiding in him and his words are abiding in you is what are you asking for? Yeah. Are you asking for things for personal gain or are you asking for things to further the kingdom? Yeah, let me. I'm gonna throw a verse out. It just popped in my head from Romans nine. Do it. Um, and we talked about the book of Romans, right? It's an audience. Um, Paul wrote a letter. Phoebe's presenting it. Um, the audience is Jew and Gentile, right? Um, made up from people that would have been outside the covenant. Um, back in the Old Testament, right? So when when Paul's speaking right here, he's he's speaking to um. It's speaking about his Jewish brothers, right? He's like, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption of sons, and it keeps on going. So Paul's heart, where he was fixated at, um, in his life, right after he had the Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Road, right? Like this is a man that his heart is so troubled over his Israel is the Israelites, right? Not understanding that Christ was the Messiah, his heart was broken for that, right? And Paul abided in Christ to the point of, look, man, I'll give up my own salvation for my people to come to be saved, right? That's what Paul was saying in that verse right there. Ultimately, we see Paul, uh, like we did with Peter, like ultimately die for what he believed in, right? What he knew was the truth. And think about the sufferings that those brothers went through, right? How has that been used um, throughout all of the world to strengthen uh, people's faith or to bring people to faith in Christ, right? Um, mm -hmm. Just understanding the story and the things they went through to the point of, Hey man, these guys died for what they believed in. So I need to look further into this, right? Like that was, that was me at the beginning of my Christian walk. Right. I was like, man, I can't just sit here and believe what the pastors, I love my pastor to death, but you know, you hear stories about Christianity, right? I need to actually look in to what was going on. And that's when you think about the apostles, right. And their deaths and things like that, like that brings you to a deeper faith and, the truth behind God's word, right? To understand like there's evidence, clear evidence that these guys died for what they believed in. Mm -hmm. So what I'm getting at is uh, Paul abided so much in Christ that to the point of his death, right? And to the point of where he'd give up his own salvation for people to come to know the knowledge of, of, of Christ. Right. So I think that's something that we understand, like he was abiding in Christ to the point of, Hey, look, I'll give up everything for people to come and and to know him right so yeah that's what abiding looks like right for sure so now i'm going to come back to the uh the verse that you mentioned earlier about paul's thorn in the flesh as it's called in in christianese right we say paul's thorn in the flesh because that's the wording he used basically this was an affliction right so paul had some type of affliction and the bible doesn't tell us what it was uh i think that 
Paul was um, intentionally vague, and I'm glad he was, uh, so that we can apply it to whatever whatever our affliction is, right? I've got two girls with kidney disease, and as I was explaining this passage to them uh, a few days ago, saying maybe Paul had kidney disease, right? So I think like whatever it is that you're talking to a person with or whatever it is you personally have, you can apply this because he he doesn't tell us specifically. But I want to read you from 2 Corinthians I'm in chapter 20. I'm sorry, 12. I'm in chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading in um, the first first full sentence beginning in uh, verse 7. It says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times. Here's the important theological part, right? Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So what are we seeing here? We're seeing the Apostle Paul, author of the majority of the New Testament, He's suffering from a personal affliction. And he has prayed, he's pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away. And God has said no. So this tells us right there that God is not um, a magic genie in a lamp that makes us healthy and wealthy. That's not how it works. Even Paul, even Paul, has his prayers answered no. And he is told that he's going to suffer because God's power is going to be made perfect in his weakness. And also, it kept Paul from becoming conceited because of all the great revelations that he had been allowed to to have. So I think if we keep that in mind, we can learn a lot from this. And it can help us interpret other verses that may seem confusing. If you if you run into one verse that's confusing, interpret it in light of the other two dozen verses that are not confusing. Right. Right. That's a good principle for how to how to read your Bible. When you when you find that one verse that seems to be confusing, interpret it in light of all the ones that are crystal clear. What would you what would you um add to this, Knuckles? Yeah, to that verse or just uh, to the statement? or Yeah, this whole topic on um, prosperity versus um, being told no sometimes. Yeah, I think uh, I'm thankful for being told no. Um, at the end of the day, I know, uh, y'all. if y'all listen to the first podcast, y'all know my lifestyle before Christ. So I know if prosperity was a uh, given to me where I would be at right now. Um, I would not be focused on Christ. So I'm thankful for the weaknesses that are in my life that cause me to causes me to rely on, on Christ. Right. So, um, I think as we saw with our brother Paul and second Corinthians 12, that, uh, ultimately God's grace is sufficient for, uh, for all of us. And that's something that we should be thankful, thankful for, um, the trials and tribulations that we go through, right. That's ultimately something that, um, can humble us and cause us to rely on, on God. So, um, I know I'm 
forever thankful for that. I don't always get everything right. Um, yeah, I just want to throw out there with with scripture again and just make sure that we're all on the same page. Just you know, we need to be. I'm talking about brothers in Christ here. I'm not talking about people that preach uh, a gospel that's a curse, like the Mormons or you know Joel Osteen or anybody like that. Um, talking about brothers in Christ, we you know we're going to come to scripture at times. We're not going to understand it. Let's uh, let's rely on our brothers. Let's be in prayer over it. Let's seek uh, seek wisdom right that comes from God. And sometimes that sometimes that is relying on other other brothers to help us out with that. And um, yeah, let's ultimately um, just let's show grace to one another, even if we have disagreements inside of scripture. So I, I feel like that's a thing that God's been really pouring on my heart, right? Like if, uh, if I, if I disagree with somebody over the way I interpret scripture, um, then, you know, we need to have sit, let's sit down and have some respectful conversations. I want to throw this out there. Um, my, at the beginning of my walk, I struggled with, there's a thing in theology called, uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. Um, I was a guy that, man, I'd get into some heated debates over uh, one side versus the other. And, um, man, I, I did not show grace in those discussions. Um, it, it could have led down a, a bad road, right? There were some times where we'd have some real heated arguments over things inside of Scripture, right? So outside of the prosperity stuff, brothers in Christ, when we come and, you know, we get in Bible studies and stuff like that, let's just understand we're not always going to have the answers, right? So um let's have grace for one another and um let, let's just be let's be united as brothers so. well said man well said um i'll just my last piece will be if you're praying for things um that are not happening yeah right maybe you got maybe you're asking god for a new truck or maybe you're asking god for more money or maybe you're asking god for more health for better health um there's a chance that what you're praying for is not aligned with God's will. Yeah. So there's a chance you might be praying for something that's not God's will. It's your, it's your desire, right? Maybe your desires are not yet God's desires and you can pray for God to give you his desires. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'll say the other option is there's a chance that maybe they are in line, but God's just choosing to say no for a greater purpose yeah. like he did with paul yeah right it's not that paul's desires were out of um out of tune with god's but god had a bigger plan and god wanted to keep paul humble and god had a reason and obviously part of that reason was us two thousand years later reading this and being encouraged by it right and so we never know if maybe the trial we're going through is not meant to encourage someone else right and to be um a light for somebody else so Try to keep that in perspective. One of the things that, you know, I've said before is if we as human parents, if we can take our kid to the doctor, hold our kid on our lap, hold their arms down while a doctor comes over and pokes them in the arm with a sharp needle. If we can do that as humans because we see a greater good that's yeah. going to come out yeah. of it, then how much more so is it possible that God, the creator of the universe, has a bigger plan for holding us? and allowing us to experience a temporary pain and suffering. Yeah. Right. So if we can kind of keep that in mind and I know it can be hard and I don't want to sound glib, right. When we're going through trials, but honestly, that's the truth is he's the designer of, of the universe and there might be a greater purpose for him allowing us to go through our momentary troubles and pain. So don't misinterpret these verses 
by taking them out of context, by pulling one verse out, putting it in a frame on your desk and saying, God's my magic genie. He's going to give me the desires of my heart. Um, You know, read the whole thing, put it in context. Don't apply Jeremiah 29, 11 to yourself, unless you're also willing to apply Jeremiah 42, 18 to yourself. Right. Right. Which I'm joking because neither of them apply to you. Yep. Right. Um, and you know, I also want to say that I don't understand every verse in the Bible. Yep. There are some, there are some really tough, difficult passages as well, right? That we can look at and we can go, man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, right? And even even Jesus's disciples said that, right? Yeah. When he talked about, um, you can't follow me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, yeah. It says, you know, m- many people walked away from him that day and said, this this is hard teaching to follow, right? Right? Because even his disciples didn't understand what he was saying, and he looked at them and said, "Are you are you guys leaving with everybody else?" And uh, I think it was Peter, right, that said, "Where would we go?" Yeah. <laughs> right. If we if we don't follow you, who are we going to follow? Right. Where else are we going to go? So I think we can we can take that same stance sometimes when we're reading something that we don't understand and say, "This is difficult teaching. I'm not sure I follow it. I'm going to keep praying for understanding, but I'm not turning away. Where would I go? Yeah. Right. It's okay to not be theological experts on every verse in the Bible, and maybe your kids bring you a section, and the first thing you ought to do is back up and read the whole context. You know, if your kids or anybody else brings you a tough verse, back up and read the whole chapter, and that'll give you context. Oh, this is, he's talking about this to this group. And the next verse says this, right? Right. Um, But then also be prepared to say, man, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to go do some research. I'm going to read a commentary on this, and then let's get back together next week. Yeah, same thing with apologetics, right? Yep. Like when somebody comes and asks you a tough question, you're not just gonna don't just throw something out of your mouth. If you don't know, that's the worst. Say, look, man, uh, I'll get back to you. Um, I need to go research and figure out what that's saying. And uh, sometimes uh, you got to watch where you look at online too. All right, so that's what in scripture. Yeah. With apologetics, you got to watch where you look. Uh, you know, so just make sure you're. Going to the right resources, going to brothers. That's why I would challenge you to go to brothers, uh, spiritually mature brothers, and ask those questions too. And um, at the end of the day, you know, the prosperity gospel, when we talk about the prosperity gospel, that's straight from Satan, right? We see, like, as Goose has talked about, brothers like Paul and Peter, John, who suffered, right, um, for what they believed in. Ultimately, our Savior, our Lord, our King, he suffered on a cross, right? Right. Um, so the reason why he suffered was to bring us prosperity from the standpoint of prosperity in Christ, right? To ultimately, we're all going to reign in the kingdom with him when the new heavens and the new earth are established. Not to be prosperous by money and financial wealth and, and trucks and things like that, right? Ultimately, we all are, for the ones that are in Christ, are going to prosper um, in Christ, right? Um, and that doesn't mean from a financial blessing. That means from ultimately we'll have the new heavens and the new earth here. So one day when he comes back and establishes his kingdom. So good stuff, man. Um, we'll put some links in the show notes here for some good commentaries on the Bible, um, that you can use. Um, I was just looking up a couple here, um, that I have heard highly recommended is, uh, the Matthew Henry 
commentary on the Bible and then the uh, Schofield commentary on the Bible. Um, Wiersbe's got one too. Warren Wiersbe. Yeah. That's a good one. And, um, and I like John, you know, I like John McArthur. I know. Don't agree with everything John McArthur says, but the, I do like his commentary. Yeah. So get yourself one of those commentaries. Um, MacArthur, Schofield, Henry, yeah. Spurgeon, uh, Wearsby, yeah. um, and then Wayne Grudem, uh, his book on systematic theology. Um, these are not books that you need to sit down and read in one sitting. Uh, they're great references to flip to whenever you see a difficult passage. So this is all part of becoming a better spiritual leader for your family, um, becoming that spiritual sheepdog to guide your family and keep them protected from the wolves. Right. And that's what we do at men's Alliance. So knuckles, thank you for your time this morning. Thank this you, has bro. been a great conversation. Thank you for sharpening all of us and I look forward to uh, seeing you and our listeners around the fire soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.